0: The Lord has laid on my heart, we need you guys. The world needs you, the church needs you. The church of Jesus Christ needs men of God. The church of Jesus Christ needs men of God for a time such as this. You know, we keep going back, and I'm going to be in the text uh, this morning. If you're turning your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. About two months ago, Pastor Joe, he, he called me up and he says, Hey, listen, I want you to share at the men's conference. And uh, I was like, wow. You know, so you're, you're like, so what's the theme? Don't worry about the theme. What is the Lord laying upon your heart? And about four years ago, we were in this text of Scripture here in 2 Timothy. And this, this epistle changed my life, guys. This conference that we're at here today, this changed my life 27 years ago. It's been 27 years when the first time I came to this uh, conference. And, you know, when I was praying for you guys, you know, we're in the fire. We're just singing about it. We're in the fire. Lord, what do you want me to say to your boys? What do you want me to say to to your guys, your soldiers? And the Lord was pressing upon me this text here. Because I said to myself, if I had one thing to say to the men of God, if I had one thing, Lord, what would you want me to say to your guys? And it's right here. It's right here. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1. And you know the account. You guys know the background behind. This is it for Paul. Paul is going to be done after this. I think some of the scholars I read, three months after this letter is delivered, he's getting his head cut off. And the church is on his heart. We hear today, the Spirit of God impressed upon Paul the Apostle for you and I to know this word. He has a word for us. And it's this word here. In fact, I encourage you guys. This is such an important word. You know, it's interesting, I, I, I was just, you know, this whole week, I've been in this text for the last two months and just going over it and going over it. But I see a man, this man, the Apostle Paul, who's, who's about to die and he's, he's speaking to dying men. And, and the first thing he says to them there in the first chapter, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ, by the will of God. He was in the will of God. Are you in the will of God this morning, guys? Do you know the promise of life? That jumped off at the pages this morning. He knew the promise of life. You young people that are just getting involved in church planning, pastoring a church, I'm telling you, you need to know the promise of life. You need to know that what you're about to give yourself fully to. That's how it has to be. It's all or nothing, guys. We have to com- complete get, commit everything to the Lord. In fact, he goes on to say, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience. He had a pure conscience. Do you have a pure conscience? God forbid any of us ever come up to a pulpit like this without a pure conscience. Our conscience are to be pure And I love this where he says, I call to remember the genuine faith that is in you. Young people, listen to me. We have a genuine faith. It's not a fake faith. I've been a Christian 41 years. And everything this book says is true. Everything Jesus says, everything God says in this word is true. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gifts of God. I'm praying that this morning, that God would stir up the gifts in us, that God would fill us. Again, it's at this conference I heard from God. Nothing was by chance, the people I sat with, the people that God brought to me. This conference is not over yet, guys. God is still speaking to you. You're on my heart, especially those of you who are dry. You came here, you're thirsting, you're, you're hoping for a word from the Lord. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Oh, we need to know that verse. God has not given us a spirit of fear, guys. I see in too many pulpits today the fear. They're not even in the pulpits anymore. Many churches are still closed. But here the Apostle Paul is telling us, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I'm going to get to my text. Don't worry about it. I'm I'm soaking this in, man. This is great. He says, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher to the Gentiles. Here it is. This is what I want you to hear. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know in whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Paul understood. He knew the Lord had called him. He knew the Lord was with him. And now as we come into this text, some I think there's 26 charges in all where, where he's commanding us here. These are of the impre- imperative here. It, it's like G- God is saying, all right, got to do this. you got to do this. And then he comes to the end of this letter and he says, I charge you. I hope you, you sense this, this feel. Here's this guy that's been in the prison. He's, he's been in, in, in a dungeon, literally. And he's saying to you and I here, his boys, his men... I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at His appearing in His kingdom. I just sense such this God wanting us to know what we are doing right now is so important. All heaven is watching. The kingdom of God is watching. Notice those things here. God, God, the Son, Christ, His kingdom, His judgment. We're commanded here. We who are called to the ministry, what are we called to do? Right there, guys. This is our marching orders. Verse 2. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. For the time will come. I keep hearing it throughout this thing. The The time is now. The time has come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, and they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth. Guys, we must never do that and be turned aside to fables, to myths. But you, here it is, this is is our word, but you... Be watchful. Listen to Pastor uh, Joe's uh, message on this text this morning as I, I went out for my run. And he was reminding us there, this watchfulness, this sober-mindedness. But you, be watchful, sober-minded in all things. Adore afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Guys, I think it's so important that we... As pastors, we need to come to this understanding. It's all the word of God. We've been called to teach and preach the word of God. Nothing else, nothing else but the word of God. Notice He's telling us here in verse 2 the Word. The Word. It means not it's this book. It's this word. It's not your words. It's not what you feel like preaching. No, what does the Word of God say? Number two, verse three, sound doctrine. Nineteen times in this epistle, Paul is talking about sound doctrine. Teach sound doctrine. Number three, the truth. I always love that. My 25 years working in the prison system to always know what I am declaring, what am I saying, thus says the Lord, this is the truth. We are in a world today that people don't know the truth anymore. They don't know if they're male or female. They, I, I mean, it is so sad now. When, when we read in Romans 1 where it says God has given them over, twice we read that. And this perverse mind, and we're seeing it. We're seeing it firsthand. This is why we can't go with some kind of philosophy or some kind of psychology. We need the Word of God. We need the truth. And then lastly, he says, your ministry. Your ministry. This is our ministry right here. This is our holy calling. And Paul, again, is speaking to this Timothy, but he's speaking to many Timothys here today before Almighty God who will judge. I don't know about you, but I take this very seriously. Very seriously. You know, one of the things that God is continually bringing me back to is the fear of the Lord. You know, there's so many guys that are getting in the pulpit today. There's no fear of God anymore. Guys, James was right when he says we will have to endure a a rasher sentence or, or, or a stricter judgment. Because what we do is very serious. People are looking at us. People depend upon us. I'm depending upon you guys. I got grandkids now. And I'm seeing my kids grow up in a world where churches won't be open and they're teaching all kinds of craziness out there. For such a time as this, God needs the man and man of God like never before. The body of Christ is beginning to realize it. I'm sensing it in our church, in our area. We live 70 miles north of New York City. And, I mean, it's amazing the amount of people now, because these other churches are closed and we're open, they're coming. They're coming, and it's amazing for to watch as a pastor, as a, like, just standing behind the scenes and watching the word of God go out over them. And it's like a faucet, it's like a, it's like a fire hose, and some of them are like, wow, I never heard this before. See, this is why what we do is so essential, you know, they were like, oh, the only people that could work are the essential workers. Pastors are essential. You are essential. I don't have to give you the statistics of people that are killing themselves out there. I know. Just in my area alone. I, I, I have a, a guy at our church and, and every week he reminds me. Again, there, there's not even room in the psychiatric wards. They have no room for people. They have to turn people away. And what are they turning to? You know, Jesus said it right. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the, uh, out of the mouth of God, guys. What you guys are doing are so important, especially expository preaching. Word upon word, precept upon precept. You know, I, I never heard of Calvary Chapel. I got saved at 19. I got saved in a Pentecostal church. I needed a Pentecostal church because I was a whack job. Actually, my, my mom called me up. I was playing football in college, and my twin brother, he was playing football too in another college. And my mom called us up, and she says, Bobby, your sister's in a cult. I said, Mom, we'll be right home. So me and my four bro- the three other brothers, we go in this church. And I'm telling you, I'm going in there just to clean house. We're going to beat up everybody in this place. <laughs> and I walk into that church. And they were singing. All that, Listen, no lights, no fog machines. They just had a guitar. And the guy was singing. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you and i i just i i i was like what is this this ain't like catholic church you know what what, these guys really believe this stuff there were only about 17 people there and i remember the, the the anger the bitterness the rage it just came down and god took a pastor who couldn't even speak english and, and he said, John 3, 16, For God so love of the world. It was this Italian guy. <laughs> and the way he said it, it sounded like, God loves Bobby. And it was there that I first heard the word of God and it changed my life. That thing blew. I, I mean, I don't have time to go into my whole story and how I left college and all that stuff. But I remember coming home from college and and i lived in the hood we were from the hood I, I have four brothers and four sisters and we had a big family and i got this job right on yonkers uh in yonkers general my yonkers guys will know what i'm talking about it was a parkadrome it was a dump but it was there in that parkadrome where wwdj i i, I found out there was a christian station and at 4.30, Pastor Chuck Smith came on. Never heard of him. And after him was Greg Glory. And then after him was Raul Reese. And I'm listening to these guys. They're not yelling. They're not screaming. They're not begging for money. And they just simply gave the word of God. And it changed my life. I mean, I wouldn't pay for nothing. I I was so cheap, I wouldn't give money to nobody. But I was sending money. I said, I hear I can get tapes. And I got tapes. Those younger guys, you don't understand, cassette tapes. (laughs) But I got tapes and I was going, listen to me, three or four tapes a day. Young people get into the Word of God and get into running. You listen to the Word of God, you go home, you go to sleep. You'll be all right. You'll stay out of trouble. But I learned the Word of God, and I and I loved it. I, I I I was just, you know. So during that time, from from getting saved in 1980 all the way up to 94, I finally got so frustrated. I, you know, there was a Calvary Chapel that just started in Westchester County, and. Uh, my sister was actually serving there at the church. I went down there for some of the you know, uh, the advanced leadership courses and all these different things they had. And just again, this, this philosophy of ministry of Calvary Chapel, which was simply based upon just teaching the Word of God. And so I got so desperate. Uh, if you're desperate here, I, I heard that last night, you've got to be desperate. I got so desperate that I said... Listen, if, if, I, if I can't find, how do I get a Calvary Chapel? And so, thank God, there was a, the guy, the pastor uh, in Westchester the time was Mark McPherson, Miles McPherson's brother. And Mark, I love Mark. Mark had such a heart that he heard my desire. He says, Listen, come to this pastor's conference. I said, Listen, I'm not a pastor. I just want someone to pastor. He says, Well, just go. So, I worked that night. I'm working at the prison. I worked all night. I come to this conference and I'll never forget it listen God is in control guys who he puts along you who's next door to you it, it it was it was amazing God put me with these three older men I'll never forget it one of the guys was Jack Taylor Jack Taylor's the over 50 teacher at, at Philly I didn't know any of this stuff I felt so bad these guys all had pajamas I'm over there I got nothing I I mean I had underwear I I, I I didn't walk around, you know, but I had just come from the prison and I was like, and I, I just, and, and I slept in the same bed with the guy. It was like, you know, this is, this is weird. And I remember waking up early just saying, I'm getting up early, I'm getting out of here. These people are nuts. But again, the providence of God. Who comes to my table? Pastors, you have no idea. And I know what it's like. You're going, all right, where are we going to sit? You're looking for familiar faces. But it's so important that we encourage one another. We, we lift each other. And every morning we get up and say, God, who do you want me to talk to? Who do you want me to sit next to? <clears throat> because there, came, who came to my table was actually Pastor Bill Gallatin and Joe Foch. And I remember Joe just looking at me saying, What's your problem? I said, What's my problem? Man, I, I just slept with some guy and this is, and he just shook his head. But Bill Gallatin, you guys from New York, man, he he's a New Yorker. He knows we're crazy, right? We're crazy. And Bill, Bill I, I, he's a prophet, man. He just said, listen, God's called you. He's called you. You go. You do it. And so I remember going to that conference and that's exactly what I did. We, we started our church. We started in our home. Started basically in our home. And guys, I want to tell you the faithfulness of God. So faithful. Didn't know what I was doing. My wife, Chuck Smith, wouldn't do this. Joe Foch went, Lloyd Pulley would never do this, Bob. But God was faithful. God was always faithful with us. God heard our prayers. We never had a problem for a building. We never had problems for funds. We never had problems for workers. Listen to me. If you're set, if your heart is set on the Lord, you want to lift him up. You want to draw all attention to him. Let me tell you something. He will build your church. That's what the Bible says. He says, I'll build your church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And we did everything wrong. I mean if you're out there and, and, and you're like, oh man, it's just goofy where listen, God's gonna get you through it. We did everything wrong in the beginning. Our sound man had these huge hearing aids. That was our sound guy. <laughs> we had this guy, Gary. Gary had one arm, not one hand, one arm. He he only had one arm, and yet he was the guy at the door greeting everyone and giving the bulletins to everybody. I still don't know how he did it. He had them somehow stacked here, and he's giving them out. like. And God sent, if you guys know Carlos Avila, Carlos, if you're watching, man, I love you, bro. Carlos Avila was head of the President for Cops for Christ down in New York City. And he came alongside to help us. But Carlos was our announcer. And we would tell him before, Carlos, pray for Mary. She's going through a thing. Carlos would give the announcements. He'd get so excited. Oh, everybody, let's just pray. Mary died and she in I mean, he, it was just crazy. But the craziest thing of all was God had called me to be the pastor. Don't laugh at that. No, no, it was. I never read a book in my life. I couldn't read. That's a true story, I couldn't read. I got through high school, I got through college. They gave me grades in college so I could play football. And I couldn't read. But see, this is how I learned to read. When I got the Gospel of John with Pastor Chuck Smith and I just went through the Gospel of John and there was such a a hunger for the Word of God. There was such commentaries. I started getting the Warren me. I started real simple. And God was faithful. God was faithful. And he gave me messages and he gave me from his Word how to study and, and he showed me all these things. I saw the faithfulness of God. But more importantly, I saw the power of God, and I saw the power of His Word, how God's Word goes forth. See, in the beginning, my school of ministry was the prison. I started working there in 83. And there, God had me in the prison, and I remember, you're you're, you're, you're talking to people of all different kinds of faith, and so I would get these books, and I would learn, and I studied these things. But I saw the power of God. You know, it was at this time when I was like, basically practicing my sermons my messages on the prisoners you know it's great when you have a captive audience they can't go nowhere so i just give them the word of god but god i saw the power of god with his word around this time in 95 96 they had me housed i was taking care of all the high profile inmates you think of any of the big names John Gotti Jr., we had we had the Chin, we had, we had all the gangsters, son of Sam, all these different people. These were the people in my block. And I saw firsthand the power of God. There was a guy, Jamie, I don't know if I should say his last name. Well, Jamie's never gonna get out, but Jamie was the enforcer for the Latin Kings in Connecticut. And I remember he he was a tough kid. He was a you know a tough kid, but But the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It's living, it's alive. And he started seeing these people come into Christ. We had these Dominican brothers who, I mean, they did a special on these guys just recently. These guys were killers. Jamie himself must have had about 16, 17 bodies that the feds knew about, not knowing all the rest. But I'll never forget him hearing the gospel. And then the next day, I would come in in the morning, and i have to make a count. There were 41 cells on my block. And I'm making the count that day. And there was Jamie, his face right there in the window, and his bloodshot eyes. I'll never forget it. And he says, Hargraves, open up the door. I said, Jamie, I'm not opening up the door. I said, what's the matter? What's the matter? Is it true what you said yesterday? I said, Jamie, is what true? Is it true what you said and he overheard me saying, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, that says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all our righteousness. I said, Oh, Jamie, it's true. And I remember I always carried my New Testament, and I'm showing him through the window. And he's like, What do I got to do? See, I've seen so many cases like that. All these people, 13 months, I had John Gotti Jr. there and, 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 and sharing to him every day. He's seeing it. He's, he's seeing the testimony of God's word. And, and, and I remember, it, it was funny, it's a funny story. Uh, uh, in 2005, uh, uh, Gotti contacted me, his lawyer contacted me. They wanted me to testify on his behalf because he definitely was. He was done with the life. He was finished with the life. So I had to testify for him uh, three times, and I remember the New York Post, uh, they did this, they did this uh, story on me. It was titled, The Man of Gaudi. I mean, you can... <laughs> it's the craziest thing, right? Reverend Bob Hardgraves, blah, 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 you know, and, and I remember getting a call from Joe saying, Bob, what are you doing? What's going on? But the faithfulness of God, you know, it was during that time, 2005, I was working still at the prison, the church. I was doing it still full time for 11 years. The church was doing great. I mean, we had over 600 people at the time. God was blessing. And I would go to this conference and many of the pastors would pray over me and they'd say, Bob, it's time. Let it go. Let your job go. And I said, no. Man, I, you know, that's my benefits. That's, you know, I got two more years. Two more years and I get everything. And I remember guys who love me, they would say, Bob, you know, the church is suffering. And it was interesting that verse that Mike shared yesterday from Hebrews 10:30, that says, Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul will have no pleasure. That was the text I was in. And I remember that that week i was going to i talked to pastor lloyd i said lloyd i i i need somebody to come and he, and he laughed he was like i could get anybody for that church i could send someone i said yeah i'm still going to go here but you get somebody that sunday i'm getting i'm ready to preach the message what happens we have a blizzard so we couldn't we had no church so that day the following day god just impressed upon me i've always provided for you bob I always took care of you. I've given you abundantly above. And so I called up my job and I quit. And they all thought I was crazy. But it even gets better. Because eight years later, here I'm now full-time. I'm full-time doing the church and realizing, gosh, there were so many things not being done. And now I'm full-time into it. The county executor of our area gets saved. And he starts coming to our church. He hears my story. He says, Bob, I can get you back in. I said, How are you going to get me back in? We got unions. You got to take a test. He says, I'm the county executor. <laughs> and to God be the glory, he got me back in. I, I had to go back in, do the academy. It was a joke. And, and and God got me everything. He got me all that I had. And I want you guys to hear this today. God is so good, He's so faithful. You know, in 2 Samuel, chapter 7, you guys know the text. David wants to build uh, God a church, but God says to David, No, David, I want to build you a church. And David says there, this is, this is uh, 2 Samuel seven eighteen. he says, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me thus far? You know, that's where I'm at now these days. I look at my life, I look at my family, I look at the church, I... God, who am I, Lord? But see, I, God is not a respecter of person, guys. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he wants to do this work in you. He's doing this work in you. In fact, I love the words of Martin Lloyd-Jones, who, who says, Preaching is the highest and greatest and most noblest calling anyone can ever be called to and the most urgent needed in the Christian church today. That is so true. Paul telling Timothy in chapter 3 verse 14, he says, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. Guys, these are the things, This, this, this whatever you're going through right now, I'm telling you, this is the training period where God is saying to us now, more than ever, we need to continue in these things that we have learned and we've been assured of. And I love that last part where it says, and whom you have learned them from. See, that's one of the things here I love about the East Coast. I love it. I love that we know who our, our leaders are, our overseers. I love our overseers. They have been so good to me. Pastor Joe, Pastor Lloyd Pauley, Pastor Bill, now Scott Gallatin. We have such a great group of guys. I know who they are. These are holy men that God has called and God has anointed. And this is why we need to stay in the same thing. We need to stay, follow their examples and teach the word of God. Why? Because it's the word of God. I don't have to remind you, verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness that the man of God may be completely, thoroughly equipped in every good work. I love this saying by John Stott. He says he says through th- God speaks through what he has spoken. This is the word. Why would we want to give anything else, guys? You know, I recently, we or oh, well, I shouldn't say recently, it was about 5 or 6 years ago, we had many of the churches in our area, and you know, you, you get hooked on formulas. You want a formula. You 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 you're, you got this pressure, you got to fill your church, so they all came to our church. They said, "We want to have a meeting with you." A guy that couldn't read. And so here I am, I get together with these guys and they say, you know, you know what, what, what's the key here at Calvary Chapel? It's the worship, it's the worship. I said, no, it's not the worship. We teach the Bible. Well, we teach the Bible. I said, no, you teach from the Bible, but you're not teaching the Bible. And see, this is what Paul is explaining to us. This is what attracted us. This is what planted the seed, the, the living word of God in our hearts. In fact, there's a verse I was just thinking of this week where it's uh, Lydia. You guys know the account. It's Acts 16, uh, verse 14, where it says, And the Lord opened up our heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. That's what she heard. She heard the word of God from the man of God through the spirit of God. In 1 Thessalonians 2.13, Paul writes to the Thessalonians there, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when we received the word of God which you heard from us, you welcomed it as the word not of men but of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. See, guys, you got to come to this place where this is it. This is the Bible. I'm not teaching anything else. Because there is this sway to teach the things of the world, to to keep itching ears and let people hear what they want to hear. Look at the worship music today. It's all about me, me, and how I worship God. It's me-centered. Lovers of self rather than lovers of God. Guys, we got to teach this word. I think Peter said it great there in 1 Peter 1, 23, when he says, Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. This word abides forever. So we have to make up our minds. Am I going to stay in the word and just simply teach? I'm loving it now. I, you know, I've always had a hard time. I don't like speaking in front of people and all that stuff. And, and, and God has been just showing me. What it says in Nehemiah 8.8, where it says they read from the book of the law of God and clearly explained the meaning of what was being read, helping the people to understand each passage. And what happened when that happened? Revival broke out. People were revived. See, I never forget where I came from. It wasn't some saying. It wasn't something. The world got me sick. I had enough of the world. I was sick of the world. But somebody, a man of God, spoke the word of God and it changed my life. See, this is so important, knowing from whom you have learned this. I, I, I mean, for me now, there's, there's no other thing. There's no other thing. It's the word of God. That's what changes people's lives. It's, it's at this conference. I can't tell you how many times I would hear messages of, Stay to the old paths. Stay in the living water, stay in the springs, stay in the word of God, guys. I remember hearing in upstate New York, Pastor Bill teaching on the sower of the seed. And it's not the style, it's not because, I I get it, we're looking for a style, we're looking to emulate somebody. But God's called you, Pastor, he called you. He didn't call Joe Foch, he didn't call Billy Graham, he called you to your area. In fact, I I mean, God is always teaching me lessons. I remember, you know, coming away, it was 2000-something, and I remember telling my brother one day, I said, Mike, you know, let's take a ride. Let's just go to Philly. We're three hours away. It was a Wednesday night. And Pastor Joe, I'll never forget it. he, he He was closing the book of 1 Corinthians 15. And I'm telling you, he was on a stool like that, and he just read it. I'm like, bro, come on, give some commentary, give this, he just read the scriptures, and me and my brother, my brother's here, we sat in the front, and he just, he just said something simply like, hey, if you're here, and this word has spoken to you, and you want to experience resurrection, you come forward, and it was an eruption in the back, and a bunch of people started coming and I started seeing family members slapping the guy on the back and the people and they're excited and the people were clapping. And I remember crying saying, that's what I want at my church. I remember having Pastor Randy Cahill. I don't see him, but Randy, if you're watching, I love you. I had Randy Cahill come to our church. And Randy, if you know Randy, he's, he's, a, he's Boston, man. He's got that deep accent, Right. So he said to me, his back was hurting. So he says, can you get me a stool with a back? And I was like, all right, we'll get you a stool with a back. I get the stool with the back. And literally the first service, he's sitting there and he's reading from his notes. And he's got that Boston accent. I said, oh, God, he's done. (laughs) They're going to kill him. We're New York. We're going to kill him. (laughs) And can I tell you, it was, again, that that setting that when you, when you, The Spirit of God comes down upon the Word of God. And I'm telling you, I I have it on film. Over 60 people came forward. In fact, one of them was that county executor whose name is Mark Molinaro, who was the guy who just ran against Como in the last election. You never know who is in the... You have no idea who's there, who's listening to you. And I watched this over and over again, God doing this great move of His Spirit. So many places, so many stories I can tell you about what God has done. I remember another guy coming to our conference years ago. Maybe you've, you've, uh, you've heard of him. Um, in fact, do I have it written down here, his name? Ministry. Oh, Ken Ortiz, great Bible teacher. And I remember Ken Ortiz He was was speaking, you know, again, you're you're trying to be slick. You're looking, all right, what's working? What's going? I get Calvary Chapel went this way, but I want to be where the Spirit is. What's God using? And Ken Ortiz was saying, at this time, he was good friends with Bill Hybels and Rick Warren. And he says, you know, he's listened to these guys. He's personal friends with them. And he began to look at their ministries. He saw the people coming in. And he told me, God taught me a valuable lesson. He said, Chuck Smith taught us that the church is for the church. See, we're open to the world. We're open to the unsaved. We want them to come in. We want them to hear music they've never heard. They're going to hear music out of this world, and they're going to hear and sense the spirit of God. And it was Ken Ortiz who said, Chuck always told us, Ephesians 4.12, he gave some, some. To be pastor, teachers, prophets, evangelists, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Guys, that's what we do. We edify the body of Christ. I don't have to tell you, you guys are Bible teachers. You remember when Peter comes to Jesus and Jesus not once but three times says, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. That's what he tells us over and over again. Feed my sheep. And this is on the heart of the Apostle Paul to you and I. In fact, in 1 Timothy 4.13, he tells us this, Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of elderships. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them. That your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to your doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. That's what we do, guys. We don't promote ourselves. We don't promote Calvary Chapel. We promote Jesus, and we feed the body of Christ. We should immerse ourselves in these things. These are the things we read. This is what we meditate upon. Again, I I remind you, another great man of God, James Montgomery Boyce, he said this, We do not have a strong church today, nor do we have many strong Christians. We can trace the cause to an acute lack of sound spiritual knowledge. Ask an average Christian to talk about God. After getting past the expected answers, you will find that his God is a little God of vacillating sentiments. End of quote. They don't know God, guys. You know, they're still calling him the man upstairs. They don't know God. And listen, for such a time as this, God has called you. Paul in Romans says, who who, who will he send? Who's going to go? See, this is why we need to see how important what we do. You know, we're living in the time of Hosea. Hosea, where he says, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I also will reject you from being my priests, says the Lord, because you have forgotten the law of your God, and I will also forget your children. That's powerful judgment right there. See, we need to come to this understanding. We need to be ready in season and out of season. It's always season to share the Word of God. It's never not season, guys. And notice what he says in verse 3. To convince, to rebuke, to exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. That's what we do week after week. We convince. The New Living Translation says we correct. We correct people. It carries the idea here of replacing incorrect ideas with correct ideas. And we tell them the truth about God and sin. Guys, don't ever shy away from telling them they're sinners. They're in adultery. Homosexuality is sin. You're going to hell. Don't turn away from that stuff. Well, they're going to take me off Facebook. So what? You're going to have to answer before God. He says we rebuke, we reprove, we admonish. And I love that last part. We also encourage. Don't forget that. Encourage. Encourage the people that are coming to your church. Make it a point. Don't stay in your office. You're the pastor. You need to be out there. You need to be ministering with the people there. Encouraging them in the Lord. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires. Because they have itching ears, and they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. We're seeing that. We're seeing that. You know, that, that, that group, the emerging church, they're still emerging. They're still out there. They're still uh, trying to, you know, you know, the church needs to be into this and we need to be into social justice and we need to be that and we need to be... No. You were called to teach the Word of God. We're called to preach. I like what Ironside said. They want preachers that will tickle their fancy, not trouble their conscience. See, this is what we're called to do. In fact, I have something else here. I like this. A preacher said, we convict the comfortable and comfort the convicted. That's how we do it. We love them all and we pray for them. And this is what we need to do today. And as we're seeing many people turning from that, turning from this truth telling people now there's many ways to God, that you can marry whoever you want. You could be a male. You could be a female. You can be whoever you want. There is no hell. But listen, we teach the full counsel of God. We teach the Word of God. We teach the cross. We teach the blood of Christ. We're not to tickle any ears, guys. I'm going to be closing. I've I've been thinking a lot about this, about where where we're at now as the church and how much more important, like God just impressed upon me to encourage you guys to continue to teach the word of God in season and out of season. And there's a an account in Acts chapter 17, verse 21, where it says where Paul goes to Athens and he's there and and, and you know this place, it's the Areopagus, Gop- did I say it right? That's great, I said it, no. But this was the happening place. This was where the elites and nobles, deep thinkers. Listen to what it says there of verse 21. It says, or in verse 24, he says, they spent their time to hear and to tell the latest new thing. And I see that's where people are at now. What's the latest thing? What's the new thing? What's, what's the thing that I can do? And they look for formulas. You get frustrated and their growth isn't going the way you thought it was going to go. And, and things aren't happening fast enough for you. See, that's a that's a sad place to get. In fact, Paul, when when he got there, you know, and, and he did. He's very he could go head to head. He could go toe to toe with these people, and he could talk philosophy with them. He was well read. He was well educated. But I love what it says in First Corinthians two one. He says, "And I, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with excellent speech of wisdom." declaring to you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I believe that's the place you got to come to. See, for me, it's not hard. I keep going back to when I first heard, when I heard the Word of God, when, when when God's Word hit me and how it still hits me and how it still speaks to me. See, that's what we need to stand on. That's what we need to go back to all the time. Have you come to the place where you believe it, guys? Have you come to that place? You know, I, I, I love Billy Graham, and I've read his biographies, A Prophet Without Honor, uh, the other one that was written, Just As I Am. And it all speaks of Billy Graham coming to a place where he had to make a decision. Is this the Word of God? Or is this just, you know, what people tell you is the Word of God? Is it the Word of God? And it's interesting when you read those biographies, how he came to that place where he finally said, that's it. I believe it. I believe this is the word of God. And you could tell the authority when he would say, thus says the Lord, the Bible says. And guys, I'm telling you, that's where we got to get to that place where we don't care anymore. We are preaching the word of God. And that word's going to change people's lives. That word is going to change families. That word is changing people in your congregation. That word is going to change your kids, your family. We keep preaching the word of God. That's what we do. And closing. Don't you love when you hear that? And closing. Verse 5. But you be watchful. You know, I I wasn't going to... But you be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. I mean, what a great place to close. But you be watchful, man of God. Guys, I'm pleased. This is no time to be on the internet and downloading pornography. This is—it's never the time. <laughs> thank you, Lord, for catching myself. It's never the time. Let me tell you something. See, I've been so blessed. I don't drink because my father was a drunk. I saw what alcohol did. For 25 years, I worked in the prison system, and I saw what sin can do. I saw what just putting your foot into the currents of this world, just putting your foot in, just touching it, and watching it take men, take people, and destroying their lives. You will destroy your ministry, God. First of all, you will destroy yourself and you'll destroy your wife and you'll destroy your family. See, I I, I love this last part where Paul says, I'm finished. I've run the race. I got a pure conscience. I stayed in the faith. Guys, stay in the faith. Be watchful. Watch your wives, guys. Love your wives. When I think of all the mistakes I did in... You know the 27 years of ministry. I, I'll never forget coming to this very conference. Six years doing pastoring, the church is booming, things are going great. And you know, I, you, you, you know, when you see Joe, and if he asks you, "Hey, how things are going?" You're like, "Oh God," he asked me, and so so you're telling him all the stuff that's going on. But he said to me, "Bob, how's things at home? How's your wife?" And I remember just saying, you know, Pastor Joe, she doesn't get it, man. You know, it's the Lord, and it's the work of God, and she wants me to quit my job, and, you know, she, she wants me to be home. She told me this thing where the church can get another pastor, but these kids can't get another father. And I remember Pastor Joe going, Bob, what's her favorite color? And I'm going, I don't know. Uh, well, what, what, what size is her shirt? What are you asking? me? I don't know. He says, bro, you need to study your wife. You need to get back with your wife. I thank God that he pulled me in on that. Because now I'm married 37 years. My kids are grown. I love my wife. Things are good. It's hot. It's great. Stay in the Lord, guys. Stay in the power of his might. Father in heaven. Lord, I thank you so much for this privilege, Lord, to share to my brothers here on the East Coast, Lord, where your next revival's coming, Lord. This is it. We're seeing it, Lord. It's coming, Lord. It's raining. I see the cloud, Lord. I see that cloud. It may be the size of a hand, but, Lord, it's growing. It's growing. It's about to pour. Father, keep us. Keep us in your grip. Keep us in your sight, Lord. Impress upon us, Lord, to finish well, Lord. Impress upon us to carry the torch, Lord, to continue faithfully teaching the Word of God. Father, I pray that we would do the work of an evangelist in these last days, Lord. That we would stand still and see the salvation of God, Lord, as you just bring people. That you would stir people, Lord. I pray for those that feel defeated. I pray for my brothers, Lord. They feel dry, Lord. Oh, Father, bring them to a place, Lord. Bring them to that place of just filling them again. Fill them afresh, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.